0: Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McCrory is presented by Felix Savadas Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte. Charlotte's premier Mercedes-Benz dealer and the Carolinas' number one volume sales leader. Over 300 new and 200 pre-owned vehicles always available. Visit MBCharlotte.com.
1: As a governor, mayor, businessman, I know the game been played by the game. Now we are exposing the game for you. This is Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McRory. Well, it's great to have Dr. David Chadwick as our guest. Uh, David graduated from UNC Chapel Hill where he played basketball and was a member of the 1969 NCAA Final Four basketball team where Coach Dean Smith was his coach and where he's also written a best-selling book about his experience of leadership in observing Dean Smith. In addition to his undergraduate degree in communications at UNC, David has a graduate degree in counseling from the University of Florida, plus a Master of Divinity and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Columbia Theological Seminary. David was the senior pastor of Forest Hills Church from 1980 until recently, where membership grew to more than 4,000 people with 12,000 visitors annually. In addition, he hosts the David Chadwick Show right here on WBT Radio in Charlotte, North Carolina, intersecting contemporary issues from a faith and values perspective. In addition, David is a best-selling author of numerous books that are read throughout the nation and the world on faith and leadership. David, welcome to Inside the Game of Politics with Pat McCrory. Give me an example of the good, the bad, and the ugly of politics that you've either encountered yourself or observed. First, the good of politics. Well, Pat, let me look at politics from
0: the church's standpoint because I've been a pastor of a church for almost four decades now, and people who are in church world know that it's probably the most political environment possible. It can get very good, bad, and ugly at times. But for the good, I would say it is a group of people who come together and decide to work together as a team. And they're saying that the team is more important than the individual we're going to look work collaboratively together for a common cause and that common cause is to change people's lives you know this world's a very broken place Uh, people are really struggling Uh, there's addictions that are out there Uh, there's all kinds of hurt and pain because of brokenness relational difficulties So the church stands in that gap between people's reality of pain and their hope to get well. So when you have a team working together to try to help people in their brokenness, in their pain, to achieve health and wholeness, to have genuine life change, uh, that's, first of all, very positive. It's exciting. But then when you actually see that life change, when you see somebody move from darkness to light when you see somebody come out of pain and addiction to wholeness and renewal when you see people who are living in despair become hopeful man that's the most exciting thing possible I know with the teams I've worked with in the past we regularly get those kind of testimonies from people and when we hear them it only encourages us to work together more ably and more positively and that's what makes ministry and the politics of church in the good be good
1: so you've, you've exposed something that we all know but we don't talk about, and that is there's politics in – when I bring up this question, most people think about politics in government. But, in fact, you're looking at it much broader. There's politics in business. There's politics in nonprofits. There's politics in religion and church. You're bringing up politics in church and how good politics is a team working together. Can you give me an example in your lifetime – in working with the church or working with government, however you'd like a term, it, of where you saw this happen. Yeah. Well, we have talked on your show
0: about sex trafficking in Charlotte, mm-hmm. and amazingly, surprisingly for many people, sex trafficking in this city is one of the huge issues confronting us today i think as i remember my statistics correctly that charlotte is the sixth largest city in the nation regarding the problem of sex trafficking the reason for that is our airport is very busy we have a lot of people coming in and out every single day we're right at the intersection, the nexus of I-77 and I-85, so it's easy for traffickers through trucks and other means to bring kids to this city. And finally, I-40 is up near us as well, so Charlotte has become a nexus of all kinds
1: of problems with sex trafficking. And this is happening in Phoenix, this oh, is it, happening it's, in it's, Dallas, it's, it's at, at every intersection of highways, yeah and airports and trucking and so forth. And a major city like ours
0: is especially vulnerable. And when you have big events here, like the the DNC and the RNC that's going to come here, Within the next year plus, uh, when you have the ACC tournament or other big NCAA the games, Game. the Panthers games, right. they, they attract a lot of people from all over. Well, a lot of really sick people come here looking for So what for were the good favors. politics? Are you seeing churches working well, together?
1: Or first right? of all,
0: the church I pastored came together and said, we're going to do something. So we mm-hmm. purchased several houses where women who finally were willing to leave sex trafficking would go into those houses, be cared for ultimately find jobs and really escape that horrific lifestyle and then churches came together and said well what can we do together they purchased even more houses that allowed those women to escape that very difficult quagmire
1: so in that example of good politics within churches working together you didn't see turf you didn't see people angling for power or publicity because the issue overrode all that exactly the focus of the problem
0: overcame personal ambition so people said you know what the greater good is better than." my own personal gain. So they gave up their own right to have what they wanted for the sake of the greater good, the larger whole. And that was to address the issue of sex trafficking in Charlotte. Wow. That was a powerful moment. It was wonderful to see. And it's not just with that moment. I mean, there are other churches right now coming together to address affordable housing. You know, for example, Mm -hmm. in Charlotte, 35,000 units are needed to address the affordable housing issue. When you think about that, it causes you to gulp because you can put together 6,000 affordable houses, which is a huge huge deal within itself. And you're still almost 30,000 houses short for the need that's out there. But churches are increasingly coming together to build units, to find places where people can go in order to simply have a roof over their head. When that end is the goal and everybody can come around that end and put aside their own personal preferences and desires, that's a beautiful thing
1: and an exciting possibility. The bad in politics. This is kind of following Clint Eastwood's good, bad, and the ugly. Tell me the bad in politics that you've observed, and I'll let you define politics any way you like.
0: Yeah, politics is the working together for a common end, and that's what good politics should be. But sadly, people's personal desires oftentimes get in the way of good politics working. So, A bad political situation is when people within, let's use the church, for example, start to let their own personal ambitions supersede the desire for the end goal. So in church world, what you have a lot is people who aren't leaders, who have never led anything, but have personal ambition that's a part of their lives, step into leadership roles in the church. And because they want to influence, because they don't have any influence otherwise, they start to work for their own needs. And because of that, they prevent the goal from ever happening and they start garnering power among themselves they start finding other people who believe the same way they do and together they prevent the cause from moving forward and oftentimes not only Uh, cause the the logjam of the issue being solved, but they cause a lot of dissension, hurt, and strife. And Pat, I know you know this too. Uh, It's amazing. There's a biblical story called the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has this big dream of the common cause of building a wall around Jerusalem that had been destroyed decades earlier because Jerusalem, if they didn't have the walls built, would be pregnable to certain invading army, So he starts building the wall, and three characters try to stop him from his success. Sanballat, Tobiah, and a guy named Geshem. Now, what's so interesting, if you look at the background of those three guys, they came from different Passed different parties, and they didn't even like each other. But amazingly, because they had a common desire to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding wow. the wall, they started together to keep that from happening. There was personal ambition that was a part of it, and isn't it amazing how people who have personal ambition and want to stop something from happen happening all seem to find each other out? They, they don't even like each other; they're strange bedfellows. But they find each other out. So, the bad of politics is when the personal ambition comes together with other people who feel the same thing and they try to prevent the common good from happening.
1: You know, you see this in controversy in many churches right now. The Christian faith, the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, the Catholic church is going through controversy. Is there a specific example of that, the bad of politics that a personal example of that that you've observed or been a part of? Yeah, you know, there was some
0: years ago, but uh, I had a guy on staff that thought he knew better. Mm-hmm. And he was younger. And you and I have talked a lot about this mm-hmm. is how when you're young, you think you have all the answers and, and you know wisdom. Better, the wisdom that yeah. only the ages can give you. And he thought he had a better idea. He, he thought he could manage the church better than I. And, you know, when you're at the top, like when you were governor or even mayor of Charlotte, right. you, you've got to stay high. You've got so many different issues mm-hmm. you've got to deal with. Well, there's a story in the Bible of, of King David. You know, when he was king, he was high, trying to deal with everything. Well, he had a son named Absalom who held a grudge against David because he was never there as a dad to care for him. So Absalom comes along as the prince, and as David's up high dealing with all the political stuff he's got to deal with, Absalom goes to the gate every day where all the elders gathered, and he started making friendships with the elders. And he started saying to them, well, you know, my dad really doesn't have time for you. He's so busy, but come to me, and I'll give you the time that you need, and I'll help you Mm. get what you want to get. And slowly but surely, he not only got the elders surrounding him, him, he started going to the people and telling them, hey, if you just follow me, I can really help you get what you want. And he developed a political coup where eventually he had to drive his dad out of the city wow. and he took over as king. Sounds just like political campaigns it, it, within a it, church. It, it's the same. This young guy years ago got his people around him and tried to garner a movement to take over. And I thought to myself then, man, this is just King David all over again in the church where people are supposed to love each other. But the bottom line is there's a verse in the Bible that says where there's selfish ambition, there's strife and every evil thing. Personal ambition causes people to do some really weird stuff and to cause maneuvering behind the scenes. That's the ugly of church world. But my guess is you see those same kind of things in other
1: arenas as well. In ugly, what have you served? I know bad and ugly Ugly is the worst of the worst.
0: Yeah, the, the ugliness is when I try to supersede someone else and I don't care what I do to that person to get what I want. Very Machiavellian. I mean, it, it is the scorched earth policy right. that happens in churches and politics in every place. That's where a group of people come together and they say, we really don't care what this is gonna do to you. I mean, this could kill you, destroy your reputation. We don't care because we want power. We want money, and and sometimes there's sexual favor that's a part of it as well. Money, sex, and power, they are the three unholy trinity of motivations for people. And particularly in church world, it's money and power. It's sad to see pastors who have luxury jets and luxury cars, they're using the church, they're using faith for their own personal interest. And you see that, and it's so sad. And the scorched earth policy of getting somebody out so that I can then have the power and the money, that's so so sad, but it happens in churches. So the
1: ugly of politics, even within churches, is those ministers, especially, or priests or... The the sexual
0: abuse scandal of the priests. What what were they doing? They were trying to cover up their own lusts and their own desires for the purpose of self-gratification. And it always seems to happen with people who want power. That seems to be, at my level, what I sense from the basic reason for these kind of Machiavellian issues. It is really personal ambition. And as you know, when
1: a politician, whether it be a church politician or a political politician or someone in business, they can abuse that power, abuse the microphone, abuse the pulpit, because especially in The church people are very vulnerable they're looking for you for answers and you can abuse their vulnerability it's easy
0: to happen and in in the Bible that person's called a hireling Mm. a person who comes in and he's just overseeing the sheep for the purpose of having money given to him instead of a true Shepherd who tries to care for the people simply because he's called to care for the people. I remember one thing about Coach Smith, my college basketball coach, that meant so much to me. When people asked me, why was he such a great coach? I said, it's because he called himself to serve people and to serve them for their benefit and not use people for his own personal benefit hirelings go into the church world and they use the people for their own self aggrandizement a true Shepherd goes in to care for the people and love the people not wanting anything for him or herself
1: so we've seen you've seen in specific examples of your peers in religious as religious leaders be the ugliest of religion they abuse the pulpit whether it be with a child whether it be with a spouse of someone or else to make lots of whether money to take power, money yeah. and not give it to the poor and the needy but give it to themselves you've seen the worst of all and it drags everyone else down how do we deal with it the ugliness
0: well you know even in church world we've got to hold people accountable for how they live their lives a person who's isolated can do these kind of things you're talking about we need to connect folks to accountability where the tough questions can be asked of them i know in my own life and ministry i've always tried to have two or three people around me the greatest of whom is my wife, Marilyn. And I know you have that with Anne as well, who will ask you the tough questions. You know, are you being sexually faithful to your wife? That's the first question that I need to ask of me. Then I need the follow-up question to be, did you just tell me the truth? and I have people like that in my world. I've invited them into my world to tell me what I need to hear, and they are invaluable, Pat. If you don't have people who are holding you accountable, asking you the tough questions, even the wounding questions that might hurt your soul, you are in isolation and you have the temptation to do the kind of things we're talking about. So the major key is to make sure you're not isolated and to have two or three people
1: around you who will ask
0: the tough questions.
1: As a politician, you get caught in the temptation to please the crowd. And sometimes when you try to please the crowd, you exaggerate or you'll try to get applause through a, a controversial sound bite, you know will get an applause. And, and in a way you could be abusing the pulpit. Have you been tempted at time or have you caught yourself abusing the pulpit yeah. And which is the ugly that you're talking about at a whole, you know, lower level but at any level like sin is all equal. Have you ever caught yourself going, I said that to please the audience or to even please myself and my ego? You, you know, my dad, I have.
0: My dad was a pastor and he yeah. pastored a large church yeah. and he told me one time early on in my ministry, he said, Son, be careful. He said, I remember when I would preach a really good sermon, I would have that angel on my shoulder that whispered to me, going, Man, you really knocked him dead today. You know, and it's a temptation to find your identity and mm-hmm. the approval of the crowds. But the problem there is, you know, better than anybody, right. the crowds can turn on you in a second. With, with Jesus' own life, he entered Jerusalem on Sunday to the triumphal cries of people saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means save us, save us. They couldn't have been more excited about him coming into Jerusalem purportedly to save them from the oppression of the Romans. Five days later, five days later, that same crowd is yelling, crucify him crucify him. People are fickle. And if you find your identity in the plaudits of people, you're going to be forever going crazy. So you've got to find your identity in your relationship with God that you know he loves you, he cares for you. And if people approve of you, great. If they don't approve of you, great. You move on with your trying to to please the one who is in heaven. What's ego, E-G-O, the best definition I've ever heard? Edging God. Out. Wow. And if you make God the master passion of your life, the opinions of others
1: won't greatly matter. Do you ever see? I see a new young politician coming out, and I can tell by the way they're standing on the stage and getting the applause, my God, they think they're going to be president. Hmm. I see a little bit of that in AOC, this young 28 year old from New York, all of a sudden, she's a rock star, and I'm going, Whether I agree with it or not, I'm going, you better be careful. They're going to take you down. Have you ever seen a young minister where you go, this person's got it, but they're starting to believe the wrong things? Yeah, they start to
0: believe their own press clippings. I can remember one young man some years ago who was pastoring
1: a large,
0: large church, and he was a rock star. Many people thought in his early 30s he should had more seasoning before he came to this high position right. of influence and within five years of his ministry he fell in an adulterous relationship I think he started believing his press clippings he started making himself vulnerable to other people and he started doing things he shouldn't have done because he made the master passion of his life the approval and of people others.
1: started treating him as God they do
0: in that sad yes. and, and and people Yearn for that? I mean, what's idolatry? I mean, people go, we don't have idolatry in our culture today. That's those old wooden and steel idols that were built back in biblical times. Well, an idol is simply a penultimate something we focus on rather than the ultimate God Himself, and we all have those things. Pat, they're penultimate things we look at, whether it's people, power, possessions, approval, whatever it is. They become an idol in our lives instead of finding our identity where we really need to have it, and that's and, in the. And unchanging you've seen love this as God. an
1: athlete. Heck, I asked for your autograph when I was 14 years old. You were probably 19. I mean, we weren't that big of age difference, but you were an idol. You were a Carolina basketball player, and if you had done something, I followed
0: you. Yeah, but you know, Pat, I had to deal with that later on in life. I I played basketball for a number of years after even North Carolina, but at some point it ends. At some point, you can't bounce the ball anymore. And I had to work on finding my identity, not in the game of basketball, but in my relationship with the Lord. You know, I've recently gone through a transition from the church I pastored for 40 years, Forest Hill. I had to ask again the question, is my identity found in what I do or what's been done for me by God's love through Jesus? And, And that's been a powerful question I've had to repeatedly ask myself. And when I continue to come back to the right answer, I find peace and wholeness in my life. But if I try to find it in anything of this world, in creation, I will always be disturbed within and not have a lack
1: of peace. Talking to David Shadwick, who just gave us an incredible answer to the question, the good, the bad, the ugly of politics. And he talked about church politics. Thanks, David. Thank you, Pat. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Inside the Game
0: of Politics with Pat McRory. To contact the show. Email Pat McCrory Show at wbt.com. You can hear more from Pat every weekday morning from 8 to 10 on News Talk 1110 and 993 WPT or at WPT on radio.com. Monday.